I wonder, because uh, you have perspective now, why do you think you were such a, um, a rebel, if you will? Um, I don't know. I think I was just fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, <laughs> PSA, stealing cars and not knowing how to drive is dangerous. <laughs> not fun. <laughs> Crashing twice is dangerous. <laughs> Two times. I'm glad nobody got hurt. And you know what the funny thing too. is? I went to go pick my friends up and we they had to come to the corner for me to get them because everybody knew I couldn't drive. We were only, I think I was 15. Mm-hmm. And so they knew I couldn't drive. Mm-hmm. I'd never driven before, but they didn't have any problem getting in the car with me. I was like the bad influence on everyone. everyone, everyone. You guessed it. My guest on Naked Today. Angela Yee will have more with her on the other side of the break. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We all can't help but wonder what adventures lie just over the next ridge. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. If you're taking on your adventure in a 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is always your updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Along with Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are all built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Nissan's SUVs have the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, connected with in a world we're vulnerable, consider we come and remove the veil from entertainment's elite. It's the difference between what is real and what the public sees. So here's your favorite celebrities behind the scenes. It's refreshing, authentic, the whole story specific. Life altering events to shape the person that you hear. We got a champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. It's the greatest in sports and entertainment connected with us. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry I'm excited about our next guest, Angela Yee. I used to bring out the Oprah voice. I don't do it for everybody. (laughs) Uh, But she is on The Breakfast Club. I'm assuming that's where a lot of you all know her from. And it's with DJ Envy and Charlamagne the God. And I uh, have watched Angela's career trajectory, if you will. Say that two times fast. Um, I've been on her podcast, Lip Service. Uh, She's multi-hyphenate. She has a lot of things going on. She's an entrepreneur. Uh, She owns a couple of shops. She really has, if you will, uh, come into her own. And I've watched it from afar. and, And from afar is true because I, other than her being on this podcast, which is exciting for me, never really had a relationship with her. I was always just fascinated at how she was able to live in the world in which she sat between two men in the middle seat, if you will, as I described a lot of my time when I was at ESPN and how she still was able to thrive and figure it out. Much like myself, I've watched her evolve Um, and it's special, you know, when you can see it from the outside in, you're like, hey, I'm looking on the outside and inside it looks like life is good. But as she will tell us on this podcast, It is good. However, she has been through a lot. She has fought her way to this position in life, and it wasn't easy. She has dealt with a lot, as most of us have, and she'll share those stories. But what I noticed, and I don't know if she is even aware of this, is that no matter where she worked, she demanded her respect. I mean, We take a lot of shit as people, as humans, right? We take on everybody's nonsense, especially in the workspace. Uh, But when we have a desire, when we have a calling, or when we realize what our calling is, we put up with a lot of stuff, stuff, S-T-U-F-F, meaning like, I'm going to deal with your bullshit, but I'm getting out of here. Now, the average person, I think, 
would deal with bull far longer, right? Like I know I've dealt with some nonsense and I'm like, I stayed two years too long. I, I dealt with your nonsense four months too long. And as Angela talks to us and tells us her story, her rise, and obviously a little bit about <laughs> how she became who she is, that that intestinal fortitude, uh, what makes Angela, Angela, you'll notice that she don't stay nowhere long when she not wanted. She makes smart moves, or at least moves that will give her peace, that will allow her to respect herself. And to me, that is admirable. She get naked right away. Right away. Although she had a sweatshirt on, so don't start no funny business. Angela Yee, welcome to Naked. Angela, uh, okay, so I like to start from the beginning. Give me, give me some background. Tell me what your family dynamic was like. Well, I was born in Brooklyn and my mom always says I was free because they never paid for me in the hospital. I guess they never got a bill. So <laughs> I was born in, at Maimonides Hospital in Brooklyn. So I grew up here. I moved to Jersey when I was 15. Hmm. And so I only went to, I went to high school there for two years and then I came back to Brooklyn. But people who know me from Jersey think I'm from Jersey. They're like, you're from Jersey. What are you talking about? But I actually grew up in Brooklyn in Flatbush and Went to public school until sixth grade. And then I went to private school from seventh to ninth grade. And I hated it because where I was from, I was so used to, like I lived in Flappish. And I think a lot of times, and this is why we have these discussions on the breakfast club and I understand it. A lot of times you don't realize what the rest of the world is like because you're so used to your perimeter and just the neighborhood that you grew up in. And so I was just so used to my life there. It was you know, it was a black neighborhood. I went to school with, I think there were two white kids in my whole school. So growing up, I knew probably like three white people other mm -hmm. than my teachers until I went to private school. And I went to private school because I was in this program. It was a great program called Prep for Prep. And it was for really gifted students, but it was for lower income. And then they, what they do is they put you in private school. And so you're prepared education wise to go to private school, but you're not prepared to be like one of the only black people in mm. a school where everybody's like rich and mm -hmm. you're not, and you get, you have to get on a bus to go there and you're from a whole different neighborhood. Yeah. And it was definitely a lot of racism. And so it was hard for me. It's interesting. You talk about that. You, the idea is to give inner city kids or kids who don't have money a better opportunity, but they don't educate the kids that they're going to be around. And I too experienced something very similar. My mother bussed me to school and the white kids would always be like, you live in poor downtown LA, right? With the homeless people, <laughs> you know, you'd be like, uh, actually I don't, <laughs> or you'd be embarrassed to, and, and you shouldn't be, but you'd be embarrassed to bring them to your house because you're like, oh, I mean, I know I was, I can't, I can't. Yeah, I wasn't doing that. <laughs> I was like, I told my parents, I was like, I can't go here anymore. Like, this is awful for me. And I'm not saying everything was awful. I did like playing sports. Right. And so that was, I think that was the best part. And the freedom that we had in choosing our classes. And we had like a lounge for the students to hang out in. So things like that were really cool. But it was just the whole adjustment for me. I wasn't used to it. And I felt like such an outsider all the time. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of friends. It wasn't that I didn't have friends. Mm -hmm. I just never felt comfortable. And so it was something that I was, and my parents sent me back my senior year. So just to put that out there, because for 10th and 11th grade, I did go to public school. And that was, um, <laughs> they were like, you got to go back to private school. You and so they sent me back. You, yeah, I was you definitely. Doing too much. <laughs> I can see that. See, we, we tried to let you have your way. Now your senior year, we got to get you together. Uh, which parent is Asian? Your, your dad or your mom? My dad. Your dad. Let's talk about that for a second. And this is horrible to say, but I am fascinated by the fact that you knew, like, I am Black. Like, you identify Black, right? Yes, you're biracial. But if someone said, if there were a race riots, you, you couldn't pass, right? You're like, I'm a Black woman. If we had to go Black and white. Do you think that that was an identity crisis ever for you growing up being biracial? Did you ever feel confused or if felt like you might have to pick a side? Well, I'll say this. I grew up in a neighborhood that was all black. Mm -hmm. And then I went to school with all black students. And then my Asian side of my family, my grandparents never really accepted us because my father married a black woman. 
And so that's another reason that it was hard for me to identify that way because culturally, a lot of like my cousins, I have like 18 cousins and a lot of them like grew up and they, you know, spoke Chinese. Their pictures were in my grandparents' house. We weren't. Hmm. And so I just feel like I never felt accepted by that side. So I never really identified as much with it. And my father didn't speak Chinese to us, even though my grandparents didn't even speak English. Mm. So all my aunts and uncles, my dad, they could all speak Chinese. And that would have been something great to learn. You know, truthfully, like that would have been amazing to be able to learn that. Because I feel like a lot of times when you're in a household and one of the parents speaks another language, usually the kids can speak that language also. You would want to teach them that. But Mm -hmm. we never learned that. And so I feel like for those reasons, it wasn't something that I identified with as much. Why do you think your father never taught you Chinese? Because no one else spoke it in the house. And so I think he just, you know, we would hear him talk on the phone. And, you know, people always make fun of that. Even, you know, in the black neighborhoods, they'll make fun of like the, just the Chinese language. And I mean, it just, they would, they would be like, you know, how do you name your kids? You throw a spoon down the steps and whatever noise it makes. It was like all these, they made all these jokes about it. Right. And back then I always had tough skin because I was so used to it. And so it didn't really bother me that much because my dad looked different than everybody. When they sent you back to private school your senior year, what was that for? What was the what was the end goal? Was it to make sure you went to college? Was it to make sure that you didn't that you graduated? What was the end goal for your parents? They're thinking. I thought it was kind of out of control in high school. Like, it, all right, so we moved to Jersey. My parents both still worked in New York, so they weren't around much because between the commute. And so, and my brother still went to school in Brooklyn. So it was just me like running amok. And so I cut school so much my junior year that I almost got left back, Mm -hmm. but I also got straight A's at the same time. And so while I got straight A's, I also was like, they sent a notice to my, my parents, like if Angela misses one more day of school, we're going to have to leave her back. And my mom was like, you haven't missed any school. What are they talking about? I missed like 30 something days and they didn't know. And so I think that was the last straw for them. But I remember they found out on Valentine's Day because I was supposed to go out to meet my boyfriend for Valentine's Day. And that was it for me. And so, yeah. And so that's how I remember exactly when. And I couldn't miss any more school or I would have gotten left back. And after that, they were like, how are you missing school? You're still getting straight A's. You can't possibly be learning anything here. And then I had another incident where I stole the car. Your, your, your childhood is not lit unless you steal a car. I, I am a big believer in that. If you yes. haven't attempted to, your childhood is not lit if you ain't stole a car. So whoever's listening to the podcast, if your kids steal a car, be kind on them, right? Yeah, be nice because, listen, the car still had templates on it. <laughs> and I had never driven before. And I crashed twice. Oh, you? Oh, yeah. You. They, my parents couldn't stand me. When I tell you, my parents, they didn't like me at all. Trust me, they didn't like me. If you had a child right now and your child stole a car and couldn't drive, you would lose your mind. Like you would be, you wouldn't be like, I did that girl. That's okay. Come on in the house. Like you would be like, don't you know the people you could have killed? You could have hurt yourself. You could have killed yourself. You know, we, we go to the extreme now. I wonder when you graduated high school, what did that look like for you? Like, were you like, um, I want to work. I'm going to go to school. What was your intention for life when you graduated? I knew I was going to college. I never had a choice when it came to that. Like okay. it was never a question. You know, the reason why my parents had me in those programs when I was younger is to prepare me to go to college. And the reason why they wanted me in private school was to prepare me to go to college. That was always the goal. I always knew I was going to college. And my brother is a year older than me. Mm-hmm. He got accepted early to Brown. Oh. My brother was the good one. He's uh. like super smart, uh. like All he did was stay in the house and play with the computer and and watch TV. He didn't even really go outside like that. That makes him look super bad, though. And he would tell on me all the time. Like, he wasn't even like, he did not even have my back. And so (laughs) it was just, we were so different. And so it did make me seem like a lot worse than what I was. But um, yeah, so he went to Brown. He got in early. And so I knew I was going to go to college. It was never like, are you going to go to college? I thought I was going to be a writer, though. Mm -hmm. Why? Tell me why you like writing. 
Well, ever since I was in like kindergarten, I used to write a lot. I used to write little poems and everything. And I would write short stories. And really when I was young and I would get mad at my parents, I would write a whole story like about how I was adopted <laughs> and they were my real parents. <laughs> so I was very creative. Okay. First off, I need to get your parents on the line. How's your relationship <laughs> with them now? Because you were a terrorist. How's your relationship with them now? Or how has it changed, obviously, since you were a teenager? Well, first of all, I think they can't believe I'm successful, but they're, you know, they're excited about it, like about everything. So everything is, you know, we're good now. And I think part of what makes me who I am today is all Mm -hmm. the things I did when I was younger. So I always was like the person who had a lot of friends. My house was the hangout spot where everybody would come. I had sleepovers all the time. We snuck boys in the house and had little parties while my parents were upstairs sleeping. Like my house was it. Somebody's listening to the podcast right now, playing it for her parents and being like, look, so when I let me do me, because look, I'm gonna be successful. Like you see what happens when you do you. You you come up. <laughs> I can't say that everybody has turned into Angela Yee, but you know, I get it. Do you think that um and I agree with you, you a fearless spirit does require a lot of what you do. Like you take chances, you put yourself out there, you push forward, you live in a very different world um, and you have this amazing platform. When did you realize that this is your calling? This is what you were called to do? That was hard for me to realize at first. I really had a marketing background. So I was doing marketing and I did write, like I was doing some writing I was also, I would do bios for artists. Mm. And so I would interview them. I did a cover story for Vibe once. Mm. And yeah, the first time I ever wrote for Vibe, they made it the cover story. And so I've done like all of that. I know people don't even know that. I always, I don't even ever bring that up. But I, I remember I interviewed Machine Gun Kelly like way early on for Yellow Rat Bastard magazine. And so I was doing all of those things. But eventually I was like, one day I'm going to get back to writing. and um I was doing marketing for different clothing lines. I had a lot of good connections because of the different places I worked. My first job was Wu-Tang and working for Wu-Tang was great because they were affiliated with so many other labels because everybody was signed to a different label. So essentially I knew everyone at like all the different record labels. And a lot of us came up together. There's people I know today just from back when I worked at Wu-Tang and they worked at Loud Records and this person worked at MCA and this person worked at Elektra. And this person worked at Def Jam. And so, and it's really nice that I'm able to still have those relationships because we all were like in the struggle. (laughs) I started off as an assistant. And so that was, yeah. And so that was my first job. And then I transitioned. You were an assistant for who? um, For the CEO of Wu-Tang. Okay. So he ran like the management company, the production company, all their label deals, everything. And so he was never really in the office. So every time someone needed something, they would have to call me and then I would relay it to him. And so it was, and he was really great. It was a, that was like an awesome first job out of college. And I actually really enjoyed that job. I probably shouldn't have left when I did. And I'll never forget, I asked my boss, could I talk to him? I went into his office and he was like, I just want to tell you, you're doing a great job. Yeah. You know, I just got some compliments about you. I was like, yeah, so about that, like. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, and he was upset. You know, but he was fine. And um, so I left to go work for another, for Virgin Records, right? To help launch this new label. This was like the worst job of my life. (laughs) But it was a label called Chiba Sounds where D'Angelo was signed. And that was D'Angelo's label that his manager started. It was like an awful experience. And so it was like a terrible job. But the whole thinking was, I used to intern at MTV when I was in college. And so... The guy I interned for, he was amazing. His name was Fred Jordan. And he, like, an amazing person. He was the music manager. So when people wanted to get their videos played on MTV, they had to present it to him. So everybody wanted to be cool with him because then he would bring the videos into the meeting and he could help pick what went on TV when they used to play videos. And so... I'll never forget, like, one day he was like, come on, come with me to this meeting. And we went to Daddy's house and Puffy was playing, like, the new Biggie video that no one has seen yet. And so I was there and he had, like, you know, drinks and hors d'oeuvres and everything. So it was a really dope job because I got to see all of those things firsthand. And he would always bring me to everything. And, you know, he did end up 
taking his own life. And that was like a devastating situation for me and for a lot of people. Cause you know, back then everybody loved Fred. Like he was, he was the dopest person. He was the one that wanted me to leave because he always wanted to hire me at MTV, but there wasn't really anything for me. So he was like, and you need to leave Wu-Tang because uh, you need to do something that's like more upper echelon. That's how he was. He was like, go work for D'Angelo. It's R&B. And I listened to him because they also offered me more money and a bigger position. They said I would be the general manager of the label, which was a big deal. I was only 23 years old. And yeah. so it was anybody would have done that. Anybody would have done that. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Wu-Tang was like a family. And so I did really miss that after when I left. And so I left to go work for this other label. And it was just like a mess. Like the boss was sleeping with his assistant and nah. she would like never come to. They, it was just awful. It was an awful environment. And his partner, the manager, his partner was like this white guy. And he was like this white Jewish guy. And his thinking was um, the other guy who owned the label. He was black. He was like, oh, you got to have a white Jewish partner. And like, that was his thinking. And they were just, it was like very sexist and misogynistic. It was an awful environment for me to be in. And so I just couldn't last there. And then the straw that broke the camel's back, he called me into his office for a meeting, right? The younger black guy. And he asked me to sleep with him. (gasps) And I really thought we were having a meeting. So I like came in there, I had like a pad, a pen. And I was like, okay, what's going on? Because honestly, like it was at this time, when D'Angelo was working on his album, but he had, there was nothing going on. Like he had been working on his album for years. He would like go to the studio. Well, he wouldn't even go to the studio. They would hire all these musicians, get all this equipment and D'Angelo wouldn't even show up. And he wouldn't even let them hear what he was working on, like nothing. And so like we weren't doing anything all day. And so the whole label was based off of, we have Mm D'Angelo and D'Angelo was, doing his so I was just like trying to make things happen but there wasn't much happening and so that happened and I told them I said I'd rather die and I walked out and I was like I said I remember I called my best friend and I told her I don't think I could do this I have to quit and she had an artist that she actually signed a development deal with them for and so she was like well Angela we just did this deal you think you could stick it through and so I was like the next day they fired me so they fired you essentially because you didn't sleep with old boy. Yeah, he didn't come in the office and he had his partner fire me. Oh, God. And so, yes. And then they tried, and then they told me they would give me like an extra two weeks pay or whatever. And then they tried to not do that. And so I threatened them. And I was like, because I think back then you don't think I just got sexually harassed. I'm going to call a lawyer. You think I'm young and I want to make sure I work in this business later. So this is just part of what it is. And that's what I thought. This is part of what it is to be in the music business. Yeah, I don't I don't even know in, in our business if we still think that way, if I'm being honest with you, because you're talking about when you're in your 20s. And I can tell you, I got put on late in life and had the same situations happen to me. And I never thought I should go tell. I always thought I still want to work in the business, which is really sad. Right. Yeah. You think like all right, whatever. I'm just going to leave here and keep it moving. And so that's what I just was like, okay. And I did call and say, if you guys don't give me my check, I'll be calling a lawyer. Oh, good for you. Yeah. I don't know if I really was going to do it, but I just said it. I mean, I was furious. And the other thing, and since the statute of limitations is up on this, I'll tell you the other thing that I did (laughs) was- Y'all can't can't come for her. Okay. Go ahead. (laughs) So what I did was- um, Back then, you could call a car, right? If you had an account number, you just had to know, like, call the car company and say, account number 793, I'd like to call the car for wherever. So I gave the car account number to a whole bunch of people. <laughs> and so they were using the cars and like going to the Poconos and going to the supermarket <laughs> and going all over the place. So they got the bill and and it was all like rides in Staten Island. Yeah. So, you know, it was like <laughs> from me. They like So they got the... <laughs> so, and the, oh, and the dumbest thing they did was they hired somebody after I left, after they fired me, who I had recommended for the job. Oh, Lord. And so, this- like, they, I, I had recommended her for another position, and then they hired her, yeah. like, not for my position, but as an assistant. And so, she was calling me and filling me in on everything, like, girl, they mad. They don't got this bill. Uh-huh. All right. And so, then she was like, they called me and they were like, we called the police. You're going to get arrested. If, uh, you know, if you tell us now, we could work something out. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Cause she had already told me that there was nothing they could do about it. 
that the police don't care. You could file a report, but you would have to hire a private investigator because they're not going to waste their time on that. So I already knew they weren't going to do all that. And so I was just like, I don't know what you're talking about. What? I'm sorry. I have no idea. Go ahead. Press charges. Get me arrested. I have no idea what you're even discussing. Good for you. Good. That's my little revenge. First but of I'm all, I'm grown now. I would never do that. Now. Well, all I know is I'm inspired because I'm like, like, call your bluff. Do it. I talk all your mm-hmm. trash because you ain't coming after me. All right, we got to pay some bills, y'all. So I'm gonna take a quick break. We're coming back with the rebel <laughs> troublemaker, but good trouble, Angela Yee. Back in a moment. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with. Are you all about the NBA action? You got to try Pick Six, the newest fantasy app from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick Six credits when you deposit $5 or more. Getting started is simple. Just download the DraftKings Pick 6 app and sign up with code TBE. Pick at least two players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat. Like, will they score more or less than 30 points? Or have more or less than eight assists? Lock them in and compete against others for a shot at huge cash prizes. Download the DraftKings Pick 6 app now and get started with code TBE. New customers can earn a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 in Pick 6 credits when you deposit $5 or more. Only on DraftKings Pick 6 with code TBE. The crown is yours. One offer per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit to receive a match of up to $100 in Pick 6 credits. Non-withdrawable and valid for Pick 6 use only. Expire after 180 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Nissan has a car for everyone. And that means every driver who wants more, whatever your more is, more freedom, more head-turning style, more exhilaration, Nissan has it. Get more exhilaration behind the wheel of the Nissan Z, the sports car built to deliver the most thrilling drive ever. Make more moves with the Nissan Rogue that can switch between power and fuel efficiency at the press of the pedal. If you're craving more adventures with your crew, try the Nissan Pathfinder. The vehicle with the muscle to help you handle the journey. Want more of a rush with your drive? Zip around in the agile and stylish Nissan Sentra. And for a drive that's positively more electric, the Nissan Aria has the perfect combination of raw power and refined luxury. When you want more of what makes driving exciting, from sports cars and sedans to EVs, pickups and crossovers, you can rely on Nissan. Because more is all we do. To get the endless excitement and the more you've been looking for, check out Nissan's amazing lineup. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. 2023 EPA fuel economy estimates. 30 city MPG, 37 highway MPG, 33 combined MPG for Rogue S and SV front wheel drive. 28 city MPG, 35 highway MPG, 31 combined MPG for Rogue S and SV all wheel drive. 29 city MPG, 36 highway MPG, 32 combined MPG for Rogue SL and Platinum front wheel drive. 28 city MPG, 34 highway MPG, 31 combined MPG for Rogue SL and Platinum all wheel drive. Actual mileage may vary with driving conditions. Use for comparison only. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion. That girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment. 
Hey everybody, you know how it is. Thanks for hanging around while we paid a few bills. We got more now with Angela Yee. Okay, so when did you transition into radio? So I started freelancing after that and I had several different clients. And one of them was working for Eminem for his clothing line, Shady Limited. Mm -hmm. And so that was my introduction into like their whole, I, I knew Paul Rosenberg, M's manager and Tracy, who also worked there for a while. Even since before Eminem got signed to Shady, I knew, I mean, well, before he got signed to Interscope and Dr. Dre and all of that, I knew Eminem. And so I started working for the clothing line. Then that whole thing fizzled out, you know, with their distributor. And so I found myself like just not sure what I was going to do next. And so I actually was trying to um, work in the marketing department at Sirius. And Eminem had a radio station, Shay 45. So I called Paul and I was like, listen, there's this marketing opening at Sirius. Can you just set up a meeting for me and put in a good word? You know, I, you don't have to give me the job, but just get me in the door to have a meeting and I'll take it from there. And so he was like, well, would you like to be on the air and maybe try something like that? Because I know they're looking for a woman on the morning show. And I said, sure. I mean, why wouldn't I? It was just an opportunity. Yeah. But he told me, he said, it's an audition. So don't, it's not that you have the job. It's up to them really. But, you know, I'll get you the audition. And I said, okay. And so I went up there and I had to work for like a, a, maybe like three months for free before they hired me. Wow, 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 wow. What a great story. What a great series of stories. So if I'm, wanting to be in the radio game and I know it's changed since you've been in it when you think of all the stories especially ones that you just shared what do you think I mean I'm going to tell you what I think but only you know what do you think it was about you that was why were you just so fearless and determined all all the while not necessarily knowing if radio was going to be the end game for you in your mind you said it would have been writing and marketing background why were you at every opportunity where you felt you were no longer needed, wanted, or disrespected, you just pushed on? I think that I always felt that if something didn't work out, something else will. Hmm. And I always tell myself the worst thing that can happen is this doesn't work. And to me, that's not the end of the world because I would rather something not work than to not even try. And so for myself, I know that I go really hard when I want to do something and if I really want it, I'll make it happen. And it might not happen the way I wanted it to, but whatever is meant to be, it will be. And I also feel that I've set up a really great foundation for myself as far as relationships and experience and knowing what I'm doing, where I can always pivot. I feel like people who know me and have worked with me know my character. Enough people will vouch for me to know that if something doesn't go the way that I anticipated, it's not like the doors will close for me. It just might mean that it has to happen or something else has to happen in a different way. So I've always felt really blessed in that I know that I'm a very honorable person and I'm very straightforward and that I, I am always leading with the best intentions. I think the key thing there is relationships. Like you've, you've developed relationships. You knew people before they were who they were, you know what I mean? And so you're right about being able to pivot because I, in this business, relationships are key. Um, you now have this platform. You're on the Breakfast Club. This is Angela Yee Day. You have you have all you have do several businesses. You're an entrepreneur. You have your hands in everything. You're not. There's multiple streams of income, as I like to talk about. You just don't want to have one. You can't, by the way, because everybody can't. You, one person can't feed you. Like that is my philosophy. Like one place when I was at ESPN, that was the only place that fed me, and it was so controlling and it was so right. um, limiting in terms of what I wanted to do. So here you are with this humongous platform. You have this great show. Um, you work with great personalities. And I've watched you all profit and do well and expand and get paid, which is beautiful. What do you think is the, at this point in your career, what has been a highlight and what has been a low light? Um, I would say the highlight has been, as far as radio, I think I would say the Radio Hall of Fame has been a big deal for us that we got inducted last yeah. year. 
I felt like that was really early for us too. Congrats. About 10 years in. That's huge. Thank you. Yeah. It was, and it is huge. And it's something that, you know, happened during the pandemic. So it's not really processed yeah. <laughs> for me yet. But yeah. they did invite us to come to the ceremony this year. So maybe it'll have like more of a feeling at that yeah. time. Because all this virtual like a yeah. ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> not the real thing. It's just not the same. Not the yeah, same. I had on like a sweatsuit. I was like, yo, thank you. Yeah. And it's not something I thought about. or was like aspiring to it. But when it happened, it does make you reflect on all the work that you put in. And so, uh, but I also would say getting syndicated was a really big deal for us too. Huge. Because that's also a really uncommon thing. <laughs> you know, I, so there's just been so many milestones. So I would say um, as far as radio, in my radio world, those are two big ones. Okay. And then you look radio world or not, what's been a low light where you've had to pick yourself up and say, I can be better. I can do better. I have to rebound. I mean, I've had plenty. There were times when I wasn't sure that this is where I really wanted to be. Mm. And so, you know, and I mean, we've had like our own ups and downs, even working with the people who I work with. Of course. And so, and even as serious, I had some serious, I wanted to, I knew I wanted to leave there. You know, I had some really bad experiences there with the, um, you know, with the person who was in, I, I remember they had promised me that I would get this raise because I had gotten offered a job to go to Hot 97's morning show. And I chose to stay as serious on the condition that they would pay me more as the main host of the show. And so the guy that was in charge of it, he was like, okay, I'm just going to put this through to human resources, get it approved and just check back with me, you know, so every week I was like, hey, just checking in to see what's happening with my raise. And every week he's like, oh, yeah, I'm still waiting to hear back. And so this went on literally for months where I was like, this is just ridiculous. And so I finally made a meeting, set up a meeting with his boss and went to his boss. And I was like, hey, and I bought this like big, thick packet of things that I had done. And and I was like, you know, I, I'm just trying to understand what the problem is with me getting this raise. I was told I would get a raise. I turned down another job offer and uh, this is what I was told. And he wasn't even, he didn't even know about it because they had never even approached human resources or approached him. And I actually got my raise that day. But after that, the person who was my boss that was supposed to put this through had it in for me and was doing everything he could in his power to try to like, make me feel crazy. They put a seven second delay on my show because they said they weren't sure what I might say or do. And I was like, I've never said or done anything. And I've been always strictly professional. Why would you do that to me? And so they ended up taking it off because I made such a big stink about it. But everything all of a sudden became a problem. There were like memos about me and I had never done anything. It's just me going above him to get this raise and he had it out for me and I knew I had to leave. But I also learned from that, that no matter what's going on behind the scenes, when you're doing what we do, you still have to do a great job. And so I would still be on the air, still be on time, still be going above and beyond because no one knows what's going on. We all have our problems and people aren't listening or watching us Mm -hmm. to hear hear about about our our problems. problems. They don't give a damn. Right. (laughs) They're trying to forget about theirs for a minute. Yeah. Time out. What's this juice we're having right now? Oh. (laughs) <laughs> this is my juice. <laughs> this is my drink fresh juice, beet gingerade. You know, I have my own fresh juice line and they are delicious. 100% organic and nothing added to them. Where can people get it? Um, you can go to drinkfreshjuice.com. It's also available in certain supermarkets and uh, independent grocers. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. I like it. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to say it one more time. Uh, drinkfreshjuice.com. I'll put that at the end of this podcast too. I also know you got a you still got a coffee line too, correct? Yes, coffee uplifts people, and I'm opening a coffee shop as well, so that'll be open in a couple of weeks. Wow! And then I'm looking down another list here. Juices for Life is that separate? Yeah, that's a juice bar, and that was my first brick and mortar business that I opened like five years ago with Styles P. Look at you! Look at you! Yeah. Let me borrow a dollar. I'm going to send you my Venmo, okay? And I have a hair store in Detroit. Okay? Listen, I saw, I saw that too. I saw, let me see, make sure I get it right here. Private label. We're going to privatelabelextensions.com, correct? Mm, that is correct. Uh-huh. Check us out. Eight Mile into Quinder. All right, listen, <laughs> listen. And then you also, on the on the nonprofit issue, well-read Angela Yee's book club. That's a book club that you have. Tell me about that. 
So it's a um, not well. I have a nonprofit, and then I also have the book club. Right? Oh, okay. So the non the nonprofit is um, wellness and nutrition and um, literacy. So it's called Well Like Wellness and Red, and that's oh. where the literacy part of it. Yeah, so clever. Yes, <laughs> yes. Why is that? Why is that important to you? Are you big health well, nut? Are you really into reading? All the things. Reading, yes. I'm very into reading. I was an English major in college and I've been reading since I was like, ever ever since I could read, I've read books. I I read something every day. Mm. Like I'm big into that. And I have like a whole library, like you can see. Oh, wow. 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 We show that too. Good for you. Good for you. I have books everywhere. I have libraries in every single room in my house. And so, yeah, I I love books. I think books are like art. And so- I do read a lot. And so I have a book club and I also do the book club because I also went to give authors a platform. I feel like authors don't have enough Same. of a space unless you're super famous yeah. to be able to promote their books. And I've read so many great books from people. I have no idea who they even are, but I read their book and they're so fascinating. And I love nonfiction books. I love biographies, autobiographies. Those are my favorites. And so I just wanted to give a platform to these authors, but also encourage people to read more because I do feel like we would all have a greater understanding of each other if we read more. Because, And especially like certain books that I've read about other cultures that I had no idea about. It's so educational. And I think it'll get rid of a lot of ignorance that we have in this world. I love it. That's so smart. I love you for that. Thank you. Because I, too, was an English major, and I understand how important it is to read. Um, I can't say that I read every day, but I'm a good for a book on tape, y'all. Okay. so so, um, (laughs) You're reading that list right now. You're reading that list right now. I've got it right here. Shoot. shoot. (laughs) Um, I got to ask you this, and you tell me what you think. What would be the next evolution of Angela Yee? So I really am moving into this entrepreneurial space, which I love. And with the coffee shop, the way I've set this up, I've learned a lot from the other businesses that I've done. This is my latest venture. I have great partners in it. And so the idea now is for me to open this. We're going to open two more by the end of 2022 and then franchise by 2023 Mm -hmm. and have multiple locations. And so that's really like something that I'm going really hard for. And then also I want to help out other entrepreneurs. And so that's the main thing for me because it hasn't been the easiest road for me. So anything I can do to help other people out, you know, as far as even getting their certification from minority and women-owned business enterprises, or even letting people know about different grants that are available for them, how to do a business plan, how to pitch, how to get investors, or if you even need investors. Just things like that are really important to me. So I can see myself moving into that space. And then, of course, you know, I have my podcast, which you did, Lift Service. Yes. And that's important to me, too. Just having fun conversations and taking the shame out of certain discussions. I feel like people look at us so crazy as women and especially as black women or women of color discussing sex, bodies, relationships. People really frown on it. Why are y'all talking about this? Mm -hmm. Or, you know. You guys are hoes. This it's like no. There will be no vagina shaming on naked or on your show. There will be no <laughs> lip service. No vagina. You're gonna shame me for my vagina. I'm with you. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, we love our vaginas. Yes, and so yes. as do and y'all. Do yeah, as, <laughs> as do y'all. <laughs> so y'all can't shame me about my vagina. Thank you. You know what I think is um. Well, just on the outside looking in, and when you find yourself in this position, you have this incredible platform. I'll take it full circle. You said your parents are were shocked by your success. Do you think they were shocked or probably surprised? I think surprised because this isn't where I even saw myself. I never was like, I want to be in radio. And so this is not something that was planned, something that I really strived for. And so I do think that they're surprised. I think you know, clearly they're really excited about it. They get more excited about things than I do. Yeah. Like if they see me on a billboard, that's the biggest deal in the world. That's huge. Like, that's still huge. Don't just, don't, uh-uh. that's a big deal. <laughs> I would hop out still to this day. I don't care how many billboards and take my picture and be like, hey y'all, like if you have the time, if you have the time, I would. That's a big deal, Angela. Yeah, my family group text be going crazy. Like if they see me on the news or something like that. It's so exciting to them. You know, my dad loves you, Carrie. So he'll be really excited about this too. Let me tell you something. I, 
I can count and and look, it's not my world, but I can count on my hands how many dope black women I know, or not even just dope black women I know in your space that are known, that are just a household name. The one thing about our business is that we always want to be separate from an entity, and you've been able to separate yourself from an entity. You are Angela Yee, hence Angela Yee Day. Um, how that all come about? Uh, the mayor, Bill de Blasio, he gave me my own day and that was four years ago. And I know a, a lot of people get their own day and they don't really do anything with it. I don't they have do my like, own. I don't have my own day. But let's put it in. Yeah, put it in don't be, don't, don't, <laughs> don't minimize this. This is a, see, the thing about people who do a lot and who are winning, I'm like, I know people have their own day and stuff. A lot of people don't have their own day, Angela. <laughs> You got your own day. Okay, but you know, we always read like such and such got their own day. Uh, you know, okay. we do read that. A- and so I wanted to make sure I, I, did, I did something with mine. Because <laughs> it, is, it is dope that like, to me, I still live in Brooklyn, you know, and I was born here and my businesses are here. And so that's exciting to me to be in Brooklyn and have my own day. So I really wanted to do something. And so it's all about giving back for me on that day. So Last year, it wasn't like full blown how it could have been because of the pandemic. Right. So we had um, a pre-recorded concert with VP Records and it's right before the West Indian American Day Parade. Yeah. And so that's why that theme and my mom is from the West Indies. Mm-hmm. And so that theme is important to me too. growing up in Flappers, you feel like you're from the West Indies. Right. And so. <laughs> right. And so I did like a, a virtual concert and then uh you know, the radio station gave me like the trucks with the screens on it. And we went to all these small black owned businesses in Brooklyn and played the concert in yes. front of there for like a half an hour at each location. And I went, you know, took pictures and we documented it. And so that's what I did on that day. Wingstop did something with me too, where they gave away like free wings throughout the day. And so it was just a really nice um, event for me to actually do something that I felt like was bringing light to these small businesses. And then I also had a list of charities that I work with who I encourage people to donate to on that day. Um, but the first year I did it, I had a concert and I did some, you know, it was at Restoration Plaza in Brooklyn. It was really nice. VP Records flew out a bunch of their artists. And it, like I said, it's before the parade. So a lot of people were here already. And yeah. so we did that. And then this year we brought it back again. And it was kind of last minute for me because I was so unsure what to do because, you know, you want to be responsible. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, I want to do something. So I just kind of scaled it back and it's outdoors anyway. And so it was really, really nice. And I'm glad that I did it. It was a lot of work. And, you know, when you're in the midst of doing something, you're like, why did I do this? (laughs) But afterwards, you're like, thank God I did it. You're preaching to the choir. I think that uh, as we list all of your accomplishments and what you are uh, doing and what you have contributed um, to the culture, Angela, what advice would you give to those who are looking up to you? They want to be the next Angela Yee, if you will. I would say that nothing is going to trump hard work, no matter what, no matter who you know, no matter how much money you have. It definitely takes a lot of dedication and it takes a lot of hard work and you can't be afraid of that. And you can't be afraid to get your hands dirty and get in there and do what needs to be done and be humble. I've always been really humble about what I have to do. I've never felt like things were beneath me or I'm too good for this or I'm too good for this person. I've never, ever felt like that. I still do things to this day just because I feel like it's a good thing to do. Or my friend who's helped me out, you know, 15 years ago needs a favor. I still do those things. I never feel like I'm too good for anything. And sometimes those things mean the most people when you do something for, you know, somebody who has a thousand followers, that means so much to them that you can actually help them out. And so you never know who is going to be there to support you and help you. Everybody has to start somewhere. So just treat people well. Mm, Treat people well. I love that. And with that, I will end. I think that you are amazing, beautiful spirit. And I am, I'm really proud of you. I know that may not mean much, but you have to sometimes to step away and look at all of the things that you have accomplished and know that you are a trailblazer. And I don't know if we realize it when we're in the, when we're in the midst of it. Um, cause you're like, everyone has a day. I'm like, yeah, no, no, everyone don't have a day. Even, <laughs> and, and even if you do have a day, it's someone's acknowledged that you are worthy of being acknowledged because you're homegrown, because of your contributions, because of what you stand for. So, um, with that being said, I want you to know that this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming out naked. Thank you. I was excited that you wanted me on. So thank you. So guys, right. What a story. 
So Angela's like, everybody gets their own day, but they don't because I don't have my own day. And I think it's a big deal. Um, It's interesting. Women sometimes we don't. Well, most people, I think, have a hard time taking compliments. And I saw that with Angela. But she know. Girl, you know, if you're listening, you know, you the shit. I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed. Her story is one of resilience. And I couldn't even. I mean, the story she's talking about while coming up in this business, there's no real HR, right? You can't go to human resources when you start your own company. There's four people to work there and say somebody's bothering me. Like, but she still was able to persevere. And I and I, I I'm impressed. She got to serious and she was like, look, I don't got my money and we do have HR. I'm going to uh, hey, get pay me and give me what I'm supposed to have. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That is so powerful. Because nine times out of 10, you're just happy to be there. And she wanted more. I can respect it. I can say I've learned that probably within the last, I don't know, five years. I didn't, I didn't always have it. I think she always had it. I remember because she was entitled when she took the car. If your childhood not lit if you don't steal a car. Side note. If you do not steal a car, your childhood's not lit. <laughs> I kid, I joke. That's not that's not what we should be promoting. Um, Angela Yee, thank you for joining us on Naked. I learned so much about you. You guys tune in next week. I got a great guest. We out. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast.